In your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. The title of my message tonight will be The Patriot of Heaven. The Patriot of Heaven. So I didn't realize... At the beginning of this week, on Monday, I sat back, you know, pastor's always preparing sermons, so I should probably take some time while I'm here and prepare a sermon. Well, I found out yesterday, I got a text, I was on a hike up in DuPont, and I got a text from pastor saying, hey, you better be ready to preach tomorrow night. Okay, I guess God wants me to preach that message right off the bat. And I didn't think about it either when I made this message that it's right before Memorial Day. And I didn't even think about that. But this is going to be a different kind of message tonight. Because the inspiration that came from this message was when I came back from Africa. When I got a different perspective on things. Not a bad perspective, but a perspective that really changed my mind on missions, evangelism, and who I really am in the hands of Christ. So before we start, I'd like to pray. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity for me to be able to stand in this pulpit seen so many men come and stand here, Lord, mighty men of God. I don't consider myself one of them, Lord, but God, in your hands, anything could be mighty. You've chosen the weak things of this world to proclaim your strength. And I ask that you fill me with your spirit tonight, God, to proclaim this message that you've laid on my heart. And that you be with the people as well, Lord. Fill them with your spirit that tonight we can have a meeting with you. That we can have a heavenly perspective on things and not an earthly. Be with me tonight. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Your son's name, amen. Patriotism is defined as a love and or commitment to one's country. When Pearl Harbor was attacked in 1941, shortly after, there was a group of young men that didn't even know where Pearl Harbor was. They just knew that America was attacked and they were going to get back at the attackers. Some of them from the ages of 15 to 17, before they were even of age, decided to talk with their parents and take the lead and say, we're going to defend our country because this country is the greatest country on earth and no one's gonna take us down. Another patriot that I'd see, that I'd say is an amazing man, is Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of England. Through his speeches and action, he helped lead many victories in the war effort. And he's recognized today as one of the greatest speakers and men as a patriot for his country. The question stands now, where did their motivation for patriotism come from? Was it something they brought up inside themselves to say, you know what? I'm an Englishman. I'm an American. We live in the greatest countries on earth and no one's going to mess with us no matter what. So we're going to take the fight to them. Or did they have a group of friends around them that pushed them along, that told them, we're part of the greatest nations on this earth, and nobody's going to defeat us. We've stood here for this long. Why should we fall now? All of us as Americans, in a sense, are an ambassador of our country. These men that I just previously talked about were carriers of their culture, their philosophy, their ideologies, and a love for their country. And they all carried it to the point to the day they died. And this day, they're still remembered. 
The men of Pearl Harbor I talked about are forever remembered in a book, We That Are Alive and Remain. The story of Easy Company. Many of those men died for this country. Many of them died away from each other. Many of them died when they jumped out of their planes before they even hit the ground. But those men are forever immortalized as patriots and heroes for our country. Would we look at our own lives of Christians? What do we find ourselves doing for our own country? We hear men of God come up here during COVID. We heard a lot about patriotism. Stand up for our rights as Americans. Stand up. Stand up. We the people. We have the voice. We're the ones who we're supposed to put the men in power that run this country. It's a democratic republic. The people are the ones that are supposed to be in charge. But the greatest question still stands. We're Christians, are we not? When you become a Christian, you not only revoke your citizenship of this earth, which this earth is hellbound. You're a citizen of hell before you accepted Christ. Now we're citizens of heaven. Yes, we're Americans. Don't get me wrong, when in this message, I don't want anybody to think I'm not patriotic. I love this country, and I'm willing to die for this country, because I still believe in what America stands for, for freedom, for the right of the people, and to do what God intended us to do in this land, is to worship him freely. But, I'm still a Christian. What does that make me now? Who am I more patriotic for? Am I more patriotic for the country? And I hate saying this right now, that's killing our unborn mercilessly. That's allowing sins that are just grotesque that you look back in the Old Testament that were a death sentence. But yet you go to the other side and as I'm a Christian of one of the greatest nations that has ever existed in eternity, I have the greatest God, the greatest Lord, who's the defender of life, who gave his very life for us. He came and he left his very throne and became a citizen of this planet, but yet maintained his citizenship of the greatest country, the greatest land that ever existed, which is heaven. We're, we're followed to the follow the example of Christ, are we not? That means we're citizens of a heavenly country. We are to stand and fight and do everything that we can to defend heaven with all our might, even to the point we lay down our lives. Because we're Christians. We're heaven citizens. And what the truth that I want to convey from this passage in Hebrews 11 tonight is that we must realize that we're citizens of heaven, of heaven and therefore an ambassador for Christ. Hmm. But before we look at, so we got four things I want to look at, and these first three, we're going to fly through them pretty quick because I want to get to the last one. Because this last one is going to be looking at the entirety of Hebrews 11. So I got a little bit of time and I want to get through this. But first, who are we? We've already talked about we're Americans, we're Christians, but who are we deep inside ourselves? What are we? We're sinners, saved by the grace of God, amen? For by grace are you saved through faith in that, not of yourselves. We've been saved. We're all sinners. We were all hellbound, but we're with God now. When we're saved, we have no earthly home anymore. We sing the song, this home is not my world. I'm just a passing through. 
looking beyond what is way beyond the blue. Our home is in heaven now. We have no earthly citizenship. Then we have nowhere to turn except for God then. Because this world, we can see how this world has just trampled our people. Christians around the world being martyred, sent away. We read of some of the greatest people on earth in missionary stories, in my opinion. They gave up their lives for a greater cause than anybody could ever have. Look at the life of Adair and Judson. He had one convert, but that one convert led to entire ministry being started that transformed his country. Although he had one convert in his whole life there, and he lost nearly, he lost his entire family. We got an idea of who we are now. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a lengthy read. Let's talk about who they are. We're talking about the patriot of heaven, but I want to look at some patriots that God recorded for his country in the Bible, which is located in Hebrews 11. Starting verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Abraham, By faith, Sarah. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. I'm skipping along a little because this is going to be a long read, and there's a lot of meat that I really want to get to in this. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. And even there, it doesn't say by faith of Joshua, but we read of Joshua in here, but his name's not mentioned. By faith, Rahab. And what shall I more say? Verse 32. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Abel by faith made a sacrifice for God that when you think about it, he wasn't really even told that he was to sacrifice a lamb. He just recognized that a lamb had to die to cover them up for their sin. Enoch walked with God and was not because he walked with God. They didn't even have the whole Bible, but he knew God personally, and he wanted to walk with God and live with him. We read of Noah who never heard the word rain in his entire existence, but yet acted upon the word of God and took faith. Okay, God's saying rain's coming, there's a flood coming, we need to get this ready. Through mocking, through ridicule, I'm sure he probably gotten assaulted multiple times, but yet he still built an ark. And it's recorded forever in history that Noah obeyed God. Abraham, I think... Personally, Abraham's one of our greatest examples of faith. One, he never heard God in his entire life, and then one day he hears, I've chosen you to be my people. From you, your people will be like the sands of the earth, unmovable as the stars. But I need you to go that way. What? 
What's that way? Listen to me. I've made a promise to you, and you've got to go. Okay. He went. Sojourn in the land of promise, whose maker is God. You read of this entire section here how Abraham is the main highlight of this entire, the entirety of the patriarchs. You read of Isaac, who blessed Jacob. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. He realized that there was a promise given to his dad that he wanted to continue on with his own sons to make them realize our God is real. And he's going to do something amazing for us. Jacob, while he was dying, blessed Joseph's sons, believing that God had a great country for him to go to because he believed the promises of his father. Moses, raised by the Egyptians, had an encounter with God in the wilderness where he heard a bush that was on fire but wasn't burnt. Take thy shoes off thy feet, for which thou stands is holy ground. And that mountain, you look throughout the entirety of the Bible, Mount Sinai is always referred to as God's holy mountain. Clear into Daniel, all Daniel could talk about was God's holy mount. Joseph, when he died, requested that his bones would be taken out of Egypt, believing that God had a promise and they were going to listen. His bones are in Israel right now. We keep looking at these different people. And one thing we can learn, we talk, we're talking about who they are. They're sinners just like us. Noah got drunk. One of his sons got cursed forever. But yet, he's remembered in this passage as one of the great heroes of the faith. Abraham lied on multiple occasions, had multiple wives, and you want to talk about a dysfunctional family? That dysfunctional family is still suffering to this day, and that was over 4,000 years ago, folks. <laughs> we read about Moses. He smote the rock when he wasn't supposed to, and then he was banned from going into Israel. But yet, he's remembered for so many things. Even to the point in verse 26, it said, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He believed that God had something great for him. And despite of Egypt being one of the greatest lands in the world at this point. Rahab, she was a prostitute. Can we go any further with that? But yet she's remembered forever in the lineage of Christ, and here she is right here being remembered as somebody who never saw God, but 40 years prior to this, heard the stories of how these Hebrews God defeated the entirety of Egypt's army, crippled it to the point where it fell and no longer was a world power, conquered Countless countries on their way, and all of a sudden, you look over in front of your city, and you see two million people standing out there, and you hear that those are the Israelites from 40 years ago. She acted on the faith that she never knew this God, but she knew that God was real because she believed in faith. And then we read of the countless others here. They were all sinners. 
but they serve the same God as we do. Why don't we have the same faith as they do in the same God? Abraham saw his wife give birth well beyond the age in her 90s because they had faith. He left his home country. Noah believed God, and yet he became the savior of humanity at that point. We all serve the same God, and no matter what time period that you're in, it's still God. Because God is not part of our time. He stands outside of time. He looks at us, and he sees this white piece of paper. This is time. He stands out here looking at time. It doesn't matter what time you're in, the same God is still holding that time clock. They had no earthly home either. They saw a vision. It talks about the prophets. They saw something. They saw the heavenly land. How many of you guys ever heard the song, By Faith? By Faith we were called to go. Carl has. You haven't? Okay. (laughs) In that song, they take this passage and they break it up and I believe four stanzas. And it all starts from the patriarchs to us. And how by faith we see the hand of God and the light of creation's grand design. And by the hope of those who prove his faithfulness and by those who call upon his name. We still serve the same God. They didn't have any earthly home because these guys were constantly looking. And once again, they had nowhere else to turn to God except turn to God. But Abraham and Lot went their separate ways. Lot picked the most beautiful country you could ever pick over here. Abraham got this desert, but God said, keep going. I have something in that desert for you, because that's my country, not yours. But the last part that I really want to talk about, I'm going to skip a point here for sake of time. We read about all this. What must we do to recognize our own part in this? These guys were patriots of heaven. Even though they were patriots for Israel, you want to know who they were actually patriots for? They were patriots for God. When David ran up there, he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is mocking the God of Israel? Do we not have an entire army and not a man who would face this man right here? An average Hebrew man was about five foot tall. You guys remember Kristen Paulson? That's about as tall as what David would have been at this point in his life. And then you have Goliath. He was nine feet tall. Four feet taller than David. Here's little David out there saying, is there not going to be anybody out there? If you guys don't have the guts, I'm going to go fight them. And what does he do? He kills them. And later, that same sword he used to behead Goliath was his calling card. There was no sword like it in all of Israel. And he wielded that sword for God. He acted upon faith, knowing that God was going to do something great. A mark of a patriot of God is having faith. And realizing that with God, we can do anything. Look at verse 13. 
all these died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. The first step to having faith, you could be persuaded by something. But then you need to embrace what you've been persuaded by. You can be, as one of our teachers at the school, he was persuaded that peanut butter milkshakes were the best thing than this on God's green earth. That's all he would ever talk about. He used an example of something that was close enough to heaven, he'd always use a peanut butter milkshake. He was persuaded by that, but I wasn't persuaded by it. He embraced that. He was, embraced, he was persuaded to the point he embraced that truth in his own life. We look at these people, God told them, there's a country out there that you can go to, but you have to walk by faith. I've promised you that there is a land that is greater than anything you can ever imagine, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. God makes that same promise to us when he tells us about heaven. A place where there will be no more tears, a place where there will be no more pain. But yet, why is it so hard for us to be persuaded to that point of realizing you know what? Why do I not serve God? What is this life to me now? Paul himself said, for me to die is for to me to die is gain. He didn't see his life as anything important. What he saw was if I die, you know what? I'm just going to come back stronger. I'm going to come back riding a fiery horse and I don't have to do a thing. Jesus Christ is going to be standing up front. He's going to wipe out the entire army and I'm just going to sit there and watch it. I just get a cool horse to sit on for the ride. I get to come along with the ride to see one of the greatest battles in the history of humanity and the history of heaven. That's what Paul saw. And that's why he didn't care. He was beaten. He was marooned. He was stoned. He didn't care. He got back up because he realized, if I die, you know what? It's gain. But you know what? If I live, it's for Christ. Because every time he got beaten, he got back up, he went somewhere else, and he told him the exact same message that he got beaten up for before. You want to talk about a patriot of heaven? Paul was a patriot of heaven. You read in Romans, my soul loveth for the salvation of Israel. He loved Israel, but he loved God greater. Acts chapter 13, when he turned to the, to the Gentiles, when the Jews stopped listening to him, he goes, lo, we've turned to the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced. Because they realized, wow, we don't have to stand here anymore and think, wouldn't it be great if we could serve their God just like they serve God? Pastor talked about in Galatians, the middle wall of perdition was broken down. We're just as equal as the Israelites now when we can come before God. Because we have been grafted into the family of God. When you accept Jesus Christ, you are now part of the family of God. You can embrace that truth. You can live in that truth. That truth can consume you. Because when you walk out these, these doors, you're it. you are now entering the mission field. Go ye to all the world and the little globe out there. When you, you leave these doors, we go out with the confidence that God has given us the power to do amazing things. For by faith we were called to go. By faith this mountain shall be moved. It's not that we're doing it. It's that Jesus Christ is doing it through us. Would you accept that fact that, you know what, I'm going to a heavenly home. 
I don't care what happens on this earth. You know, if God's told me, you shall be endued with power from on high, I'm going to accept that fact. That's why mighty men who have stand to their deaths. One of the greatest stories I've ever heard about the song, I'd Rather Have Jesus, was a man who was brought to the tribal chief in Africa. And he was standing there. It wasn't even a firing squad. They all had bow and arrows, and his family was lined up. They started with his wife. Are you going to give up on God? I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. Boom. Killed his wife right in front of him. Okay, we just killed your wife. Are you going to give up? I'd rather have Jesus than anything. He, they kill his children right in front of him. What have you done? You just let your entire family get slaughtered. Are you actually going to serve this so-called God? I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world can afford today. They shot him down. That tribal chief stood up in his chair and he said, these people are insane. What do they have to live for? That they just gave up his own life and his entire family for this God. He called one of his advisors, get me one of those people. I need to know why they want to live for this God. He got saved. Turned his entire tribe around. And they led countless others to the Lord. Because one man said, I'd rather live for God than anything else in this world. That was a patriot in heaven. And his life ignited the lives of countless others. Persuaded and embraced. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you go seeking the God in faith, you were persuaded and you embrace those promises of God, guess what? God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And will give you a reward for seeking him. We might not see that reward in our lifetime right now, but you know what? That man who died, when he got to heaven, he got to have a front seat to see what God was doing with his life affecting countless other lives. That was his reward. If we embrace God today, what reward are we going to have? We decide, I'm going to be more of a patriot of heaven than anything else that I can ever imagine. Because you know what? Why should I be scared? You know what? Embrace the American. You live in one of the greatest countries on earth. To this day, I still believe what the Constitution says. Freedom of speech, right? Why aren't we getting out there and telling people? If they spit on you, you know what? <laughs> they just rejected the greatest message they ever heard. But you might have just planted a seed. The later down the line, if for some reason you got killed because of trying to give the gospel, that person who spat in your face might become one of the greatest preachers you'll ever see in your life. They might marry somebody. If it's a woman, might marry somebody, persuade him, and he could become the next D.L. Moody and just turn this world upside down. Next Charles Spurgeon. Just think about that. If you just give up on what you think you can do, and start relying, you, you get persuaded, you embrace the promises which God is giving you on every page of this book. We can change our world completely and forever. When we realize that we represent a new home, the college verse for ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5.20, 
Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. There's a deeper truth when you look at that passage, you start cross-referencing it throughout the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 As we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. I'm going under the persuasion that we're all saved in this room tonight. Do you realize that God's allowed us? He allowed us. He didn't have to. He wanted us. He chose the foolishness of preaching to change the world. He chose the small things of the world to confound the great and the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The gospel to the Jew was a stumbling block. To the Greek, it was foolishness. But yet, we're allowed. And God has chosen every one of us in this room tonight to be an ambassador. You know, that's greater privilege than what Winston Churchill ever had in his life, being a prime minister. We serve the King of Kings. The God of gods, the Lord of lords. The source of life. The one who created each one of you specifically for a purpose. You can't read Jeremiah without realizing that God created you for a purpose. And the moment you get saved, God can finally use you to the full perfection. Because you just gave up who you are on this earth and gave it all to God. Also, we need, to re- we need to embrace the fact that we have an author and finisher of our faith. I'm going to start a little bit further back before we get into this, but verse 33 of chapter 11. This is the same power we can have. I want you to think of this. Insert who you are into this passage. Because I believe he's talking about people who are martyred and people who could be martyred or people who are still living today, who are living a life for Christ. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weak were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the army of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the desert, and the mountains, and in the den, and the caves of earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, I love that, that word in the Bible. Wherefore, by grace are you saved through faith. You read those previous verses, there was a reminder of who we were, but guess what? This is where we're at now. 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, those who've gone before us and saw what God can do, if we say we believe this, what this book says, we believe that everything that this chapter is talking about, these people, the acts of what these people have done, could happen today. Because we have witnesses of what God can do forever in his holy word. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run the race with patience. Sorry. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be weary and faint in your mind. When we look at everything that Christ went through for us, what else can we do? You look at the crucifixion. The crucifixion was the peak of of human torment and history. You can't get any more of a painful death than being crucified. Nowhere close. Especially after you go through what Christ went through. He was turned into a slab of meat for us. You couldn't even recognize him as a man. Isaiah says that they looked upon him and they saw not a man. They pulled his beard out, they pulled his hair out, they set a crown of thorns and jammed it into his head for us, the ultimate patriot, the ultimate soldier, the ultimate God that could ever exist, which is the only existing God, came to earth and did that for us. So we can have an entire chapter of examples that say, if you give it all up for me, guess what? You gain everything through me. He that loveth his life shall lose it, but he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. As ambassadors, we are charged with the greatest responsibility. We share our home's culture, philosophy, ideology, and how our leader desires to involve himself in that land of which we are. Do we see that we're representatives of God? which is the greatest leader of any land who wants to personally show in our lives that he is the God of ages and he wants to be involved in not just our lives but the people down the road there. The people in that restaurant you're going to. That person who's acting who isn't homosexual, he needs Christ just like you do because his sin is no different from you gossiping, lying, they need the gospel too. And guess what? God saved us to do that. Because he is the author and finisher of our faith. We don't know when the finish is going to start, when the finish is. But you know what? I just read today, Brother Tozier, he wrote, <clears throat> Why are you not living today for God? Every moment that's wasted is not bringing glory to God, not bringing hope to somebody else. Not bring hope to your fellow brothers. But every moment that you spend 
working for God is a light of hope that can be shed to this world. We are the ones who show his love. Are you a patriot today? But of what land? Heaven 